In this episode of the Perform Partners podcast, Sean and I are joined by Kate Goldring, Director of Business Development at Leeds Mind. Leeds Mind is a local charity that provides advice and support to empower anyone experiencing mental health difficulty. We talk with Kate in this episode about the mental health difficulties that she's faced and also what change means to her. So today on the podcast we have Kate Goldring. Kate is the Director of Business Development at Leeds Mind. She has worked in the voluntary sector for around 15 years, starting out as a sole fundraiser. Now managing teams in business development, we're interested to speak with Kate about mental health following Mental Health Awareness Week and to get a look into what change means to her. So great to have you on the podcast, Kate. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So tell us a little bit about how you're spending your time at the moment. Um, well, yeah, like everybody, I've sort of been locked in a bedroom with uh, more bits of office appearing in the bedroom than bedroom furniture, um, working my way through uh, an enormous pile of emails. Uh, the benefit really for us at, at Leeds Mind is that, you know, we, we've been able to keep going throughout all this. Um, which is uh, which has been great and you know hats off to our services for adapting so quickly and being able to continue a great level of service for the people that need us but obviously the pandemic's hit people's mental health really really hard so we are busier than ever um so uh, all the referrals that are coming in we've doubled the amount of people contacting us in a year um which is a, a really good story if people are just reaching out, but B, not a great story if more people are struggling with their mental health. So, so yeah, it's been um, it's been a tough old year, but yeah, sat in my bedroom still, um, plugging away, um, trying to get our fundraising back up and running. So it's been a, a tough old slog with that. Obviously, as people prioritise their response to COVID, the activity around fundraising just dropped off a cliff edge, understandably, and our priority was to be there for people not to put out big emergency fundraising campaigns in March 2020. So we're trying to just uh, bounce back and get support of um, uh, corporate partners such as yourselves who are uh, who are now on board with Leeds Mind. So thanks so much for that. Um, so that's sort of the professional version. Um, we're excited because there's actual real live face-to-face events uh, on the horizon. In fact, we just had our um, Yorkshire Three Peaks Challenge on Friday, where real people who had legs, they weren't just uh, heads and shoulders, um, <laughs> took on this epic challenge for us. So that was really, really uh, amazing. And, and then personally, I suppose, um, the same as everyone else, just sort of rubbing my eyes and blinking and stepping out of the, uh, the world of isolation. Um, I actually went to a friend's house last night in person, not on a screen. So. Yeah, just sort of starting to get get used to some of the restrictions easing, which I think is really positive for all our mental health, but also can be quite daunting for a lot of us as well. You know, with the fear of this new variant bouncing around, it's um, yeah, it, it can work both ways. Absolutely. And I think we just need to be we need to be kind to not only ourselves, but also be, um, I guess, have the capacity to understand how other people might be feeling at any given moment and that for them actually it might not be comfortable to get out and about just yet and yeah it's it's going definitely going to be a big transition for us all and 
on the topic of change as well our podcast is all about change so we're we're all about to undergo this massive amount of change when we emerge back into the world uh pretty well hopefully safely <laughs> yeah fingers yeah. crossed I think we've had enough now <laughs> no absolutely so um just in terms of Leeds Mind so you've mentioned that fundraising in person has started again and it, it's great to hear that the Yorkshire Three Peaks went ahead I think it was last Friday was it it was indeed yeah we had a couple of our team up there and they just said it was the best day ever seeing people in Leeds Mind t-shirts out in the fresh air just doing their thing which is just something we've always taken for granted as fundraisers um it's what we do and it's where we thrive so yeah it was great to see that actually actually happened after it's been postponed about seven times not that many but it felt like it <laughs> great a great mixture of you know not only fundraising but getting outdoors as you say and last week was mental health awareness week and of course throughout the month of may there's the carry the burden campaign as well that you're running so do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about that yeah, so during the first lockdown, we had to really think, rethink how we fundraise. How do you do it in a COVID safe way? Uh, and our innovative team of fundraisers uh, sat down uh, around their screens and had a chat about it um, and came up with the idea of Carry the Burden, which we ran in October last year, but we've run um, in May this year in conjunction with Mental Health Awareness Week, as you said. Um, the idea behind the campaign is that you carry an object around of your choosing for 24 hours. The idea is that it symbolises the invisible burden of mental health. So by carrying it around, you're sort of understanding it doesn't go away. It's constantly there. It's not necessarily an easy thing to carry or it's it might be a, an object that you choose that has some sort of symbolic meaning for you. Um, so you can choose all sorts of things. We've had inflatable flamingos, giant teddy bears, um, airing racks, all sorts of things. Somebody carried around, um, I think it was a backpack full of bricks as well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of really dependent on how you interpret the challenge. Um, and the idea is that you make a donation or get sponsored if it's a big challenge um, and then nominate a load of your friends to do the same thing. Um, it was funny, actually, one of our fundraisers um, she did her carry the burden challenge and posted it all on social media. She, she lives near me um, and in her pictures, I saw that she actually takes her son to the same swimming lessons as me. And she had these photos in the changing room that I'd been in like an hour earlier. I was just thinking, I wish our paths had crossed and I'd actually seen someone doing a carry the burden challenge for us. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that we can all do individually. You know, it could brighten up a Zoom meeting uh, in my mind. You know, it, we obviously, there's a really serious message under it and the, 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 why, why people are doing it. But fundraising should be fun. So, you know, on your Zoom meeting with everyone carrying all these random objects, it, it certainly gets you talking about mental health as well. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we have lots of people getting on board. We've seen some great social media coverage so far and loads of people nominated. I find it interesting with Carry the Burden that it brings or it encourages mental mental health into a physical form. So you can almost hold it, you can, you can discuss it. I'm, I'm curious with your experience in this industry, have you, have you seen any changes in attitudes or the way people are bringing their own view of mental health towards you, be it through a fundraising perspective, so different ways to engage, to ask for help, or for the people that you're actually helping on the other side of the fundraising? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of changes um, in that area, particularly the last 12 months, as you know, the world's turned on its head and, and there's, there's been a lot more talk about mental health. But 
the benefit for us working in mental health and trying to generate funds um, for the cause is that we're not just chatting to people and saying give us your money what we're able to do is really promote um, destigmatization particularly in workplaces when we're working with corporates um, we're able to um, increase uh, mental health literacy levels so there's better understanding so it's it's not something that you hide under the carpet um, but it's also not something to be scared of so I mean I've worked for a number of different charities and this is a real gift for us because it it progresses the cause you know it's it's part of what we do um, and fundraising can really help to promote that I think you know even in, in recent years I've worked at Leeds Mine for over three years now although I keep, still keep saying I'm the new girl I, I don't think I can get away with that anymore um, but it, just in that time you've seen things like the royals coming out you know all the campaigns around heads together high profile people talking about it the ITV campaign Britain get talking I mean that would never have happened even even three or four years ago so there's, there's been a huge change around it um, and we're really grateful for it you know we, we're a local mind we work across Leeds and the surrounding areas we, we cover uh, a lot of West Yorkshire with some of our services but our friends at National Mind have just have done an incredible job around campaigning, around influencing uh, policy around mental health um, and just raising that awareness. So, yeah, I mean, change has been a really good thing in that area. Um, there's still a lot to do. It can be a bit of a lottery for people, for example, going to visit a GP. I've had two people who I'm close to recently. Uh, as soon as you work in mental health, everyone tells you about their mental health, which is you know, absolutely great that people feel confident to open up to me. Um, but I had one friend who went and shared some really big things with their GP. And it was, oh, well, here's a leaflet for IAPT, which has huge waiting lists and get out in the fresh air. And thank goodness Leeds Mind was there to pick up the pieces from that. But then another friend who went and the GP couldn't have been better, you know, talking about occupational health, extending the, the, um, the length of the appointment to make sure that he really, you know, did everything that he could. So that lottery is still there, that it just shows that there's so much work still to be done. But organisations like ours uh, and loads of others uh, that we partner with to deliver services are around um, and it's becoming much more mainstream. So having that additional support there outside of the NHS is really important. Yeah, it sounds like it's certainly in a progressive state. And I've, before you mentioned it, I didn't really think of the relationship between being able to fundraise, but bringing that vocabulary in as well and almost creating that connection to somebody. So you're not, you know, you're not just asking for money, you're creating an opportunity to talk and, uh, and raise the profile of the cause as well. I mean, as we say, great that we're progressing, but to your mind and based on your experience, where would you like to see the uh, progression go and within the next year, within the next five years? Well, the, the ultimate goal really there is parity between physical health and mental health. You know, why, why do we have a doctor's surgery um, where you go to have an x-ray or if you've broken your leg or if you've, you know, got a cold or, you know, a doctor's surgery and then a leisure centre and then a mental health facility? Why aren't we just putting all this stuff together? You know, if there's a leisure centre, go for a mental workout as well. You know, trying to get that parity between the two things, because at the moment it's just not there. Um, and we understand that it's so prevalent. You know, it was one in four people were impacted by by this, by mental health in their lifetime before COVID. The stats have gone through the roof as a result. 
And the, the scary bit is that a lot of people don't feel that their mental health difficulty is severe enough to warrant a trip to the doctors or to talk to somebody about it. So it's it's really difficult to, to, to get to that point. And in the next year, um, increased funding. You know, we're, we're scratching the surface and there's some amazing funders out there and our local commissioners are fantastic. Some of the projects that we work on uh, are brilliant um, and make a massive difference, but it's never, it's just not enough. You know, we, we need to be able to secure that funding um, to be able to do more. And one of the big things for us moving forward is um, supporting children and young people. Uh, I sit on a national mind investment panel and today has been about reading bids from other local minds to secure funding to support children. The ideas the the will to to work in this area is huge what we're lacking in is 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 the money to be able to do it and, and to my mind the biggest thing that we can do to prevent you know this sort of mental health crisis from continuing is interventions at a young age to prevent them from prevent crisis from happening you know if we build resilient children and young people will have a resilient group of people when they hit their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s onwards. And there'll be a natural culture. And as I mentioned, I've got an eight year old that they're doing mental health stuff at school, you know, at eight years old and listening on Zoom with, well, I think they knew I was there as a mental health charity board. So I think that they were, they were making sure they did it right, but they did an amazing job of talking about it. So that culture then, you know, my little boy thinks talking about mental health is completely normal. That's probably my fault for, <laughs> for really shoving it down his throat. But, but schools do an amazing job these days. Um, but what we'd like to be able to do is go in and add that extra specialist support to those age groups, particularly around that transition period from primary school to high school and all those self-esteem issues set in, the idea of exam stress, it's that resilience building piece that we're absolutely desperate to get our hands on. And, and it will be key for us in our, our next three year strategy, which we're in the process of putting together at the moment. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Almost the influence on early child development within those core learning years. And then I think if I'm right, what you're identifying there is periods of almost intense change and stress through exam periods into high school, new environments. And if there's not the appropriate support and healthy habits, including, you know, being able to recognize and talk about the state of mind, that those habits could potentially carry on into the workplace and later adult life as well. And we just, we, we tend to compound them. So catching it early and providing a, a strong, healthy framework pays dividends throughout the rest of our lives. Massively, and you talk about the, those periods of change um, and the potential of it carrying on into the workplace. We're running a program at the moment called Mentally Healthy Universities, which is funded by National Mind. They have a partnership with Goldman Sachs Gives, and we've been running this for, gosh, since the beginning of this academic year, which has been an academic year unlike any other. So, you know, quite good timing there. But we work with Leeds Beckett University to um, deliver support to students and staff, both academic and service staff, you know, across across the board. Um, and obviously subject to funding, it's, it's all subject to funding. So we're focusing on specific areas and services. So we're working with two schools, both with staff and students and the Libraries Learning and Innovation Service. And you see, you know, huge, huge need there. 
And we've been able to go in and run this pilot for a year to support, particularly on the student side, support people, uh, students through their learning, through the exam stress, through you know, building tools and techniques to be able to manage their mental health better, to understand their triggers, to give them techniques to be able to cope. But the idea is that that's, you know, it's the transition from being at school and A-levels and perhaps at home to then being away, learning online, all the difficulties that that brings, that, those potential feelings of isolation, particularly this year. But then also moving from learning in a university and being a student into working life and how they cope with that transition. So it's been an amazing project to see and great that, you know, Goldman Sachs Gives have put the funding into this to do some proper research about the impact of it. So those transition periods for us, I think are really key. Change, people respond to it differently, don't they? Um, uh, and, you know, see, seeing the impact that the Mentally Healthy Unis programme has been a real privilege. Yeah, definitely. And one of the recurring themes in these podcasts and the conversations that happen outside of the podcast is resilience of change as well. And you know, where does that come from? How can you retain the sense of self and your, I suppose, your okayness so you're operating as best as you can within the environment and accepting best can be variable. Mm. And where do those habits come from? You know, how can we recognize them and surface them? And essentially it pulls into team, you know, how the team work, how the teams work well together, how the companies operate together. It's uh, no one thing in isolation, you know, in, a, in appreciation of everything that goes on around us and everything we're doing. So yeah, absolutely. more important than mental health. Yeah, and even in, you know, our own teams, you know, we're not immune from struggling with our mental health. In fact, at Leeds Mind, we, uh, we encourage people who've lived experience of mental health to apply for roles, uh, even when they're not, you know, it's not a peer support role, for example, it's an administrator role or my role. Um, but it's been tough. And like you say, the best is variable. And my best one day might be great. And the best that I can give you another day might not be so great. For example, today taking my little boy for a COVID test first thing and then juggling him not being bored I mean at the moment YouTube and the switch are his best friend so you know it's it's working well so far um but we what we promised each other was that we you know on a day where someone else is down we sort of take the slack a little bit and give each other space to be able to have an off day because we can't all be 100% all the time so yeah I think it's a really interesting point you make this podcast is about change and, and I know we're talking about change within within mental health and almost the the full cycle of how mental health can help with change and be resilient in it. I'm curious what's one of the biggest changes you've been involved in, be it a, an impact or the complications of it or even just the outcome and the enjoyment of it. Personally or professionally? Oh, let's do both. You've offered two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um personally it's easy um I, I had a baby and that just throws <laughs> everything out eight uh, years on I'm still reeling I've still got some sort of trauma associated with it <laughs> he's running around downstairs somewhere um but yeah I mean the change for, for me I mean on a serious note I make light of it um but I struggle with postnatal depression after I had uh Danny my little boy the whirlwind that is um and it took me a lot of years to even be able to say that out loud to people that I didn't know, even people that I, I do know. So it impacted me in the first instance. It was really, really hard. That change, I was almost 
grieving for the life that I was going to have because we were never having kids you know we were out in the pub and it was fun and we did all that stuff so yeah a bit of grief for the the sort of life pre-pregnancy and, and pre-baby um, and then also this bundle of cuteness that I had to sustain his life I mean who gave me that responsibility so yeah I, I had a, a, a real negative response in many ways but then pure moments of joy as well postnatal depression is such a complex beast um, and thankfully I, I didn't struggle as badly as a lot of people that, that I've known have come across uh, particularly in this role um, but now I, I wouldn't say I wear it like a badge of honour but I'm really proud to talk about it because it's amazing how it, it gets other people to open up and talk about their experiences too. Um, so yeah, that's the, the change in my life. Absolutely wouldn't change it for the world. Some, some days maybe I would, um, but no, <laughs> on, on the whole, it's all right. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, changing lifestyle um, and changing direction of your life can have such a massive impact. Um, so yeah, that's the personal professional I mean we're probably all sick of talking about Covid but you know March the whatever it was last year was you know everything turned didn't it um so I talked a lot about the fundraising side of things and how it's been impacted but I think getting our organization uh ready to work from home when you work for a charity you know it's it's a bit like Steptoe's Yard in the office you sort of accept donations of furniture and you know, their laptops are a bit cobbled together and there's, you know, no real working stations and people have PCs and there's no consistency. Um, as much as, you know, we, it's a professional setup, you do make do amend a little bit to make sure that the money goes as far as it can. So when, when everyone had to work from home, as a senior team, we all sort of looked at each other and went, oh gosh, <laughs> this, this is going to be tough. Um, but it was amazing the way that everyone responded to the challenge. You know, we, we were able to, thanks to National Mind, we got a grant from them to be able to really, really quickly invest in some new um, hardware and software to be able to mobilise our teams and make sure that we continue to deliver top-notch quality support to the people that needed it. So our peer support went online, our suicide bereavement service went online, we had virtual counselling, and this was all within within two weeks everything was sort of there and it's testament really to the passion and dedication of our teams you know we were able to get the things in place but they they brought it to life and made it work so so yeah and I think we've learned a lot from it you know that change although it was uh, the catalyst for home working was Covid a very big catalyst I might add um we'll definitely retain a lot of the learning from it you know we're now looking at agile working processes we're looking at our training for example which sits within my team why would we trek all across the region and get staff to have to come to their head office to access training if it's easier just to do it online so we'll take a lot of that learning forward and I think you know change even when it feels like it's not a good change at the time there's always opportunity to learn from it um, and I think we'll all take a lot of learning uh, away from how all our organisations um, adapted to COVID. Really great to get your insights into how you've experienced, you know, mental health mm. difficulties. It's really, and for you to be able to speak so openly about it, it's... It wasn't easy the first time I did it, working for Leeds Mind. I, um, I was on stage at um, 
uh, Leeds University Union event and it was something like you know a bit of a boozy do um, people it was like Leeds Leeds Laws Society's Got Talent or something and I thought oh you know I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna say something really from the heart and I got up there and it was the first time I'd spoken about it, it was two years ago because I remember I was well just over two years I was planning Danny's sixth birthday and I was talking about it and um, it really got me on stage in front of about 300 people. And I just, it caught in my throat and I couldn't get the words out. So I had to just pause for a second and I got through it. But it, it's amazing how, you know, in your brain or when you're sort of rehearsing it in the car on the way there, it's fine. But when it came out, really, really difficult. But yeah, fine now. <laughs> I've done that speech a lot since. <laughs> what, what was the turning point for you to be able to speak so openly about it? Um, I think probably coming to work for Leeds Mind, um, which sounds really strange. I, at the time, it took a real while to get diagnosed, and I rushed back to work. Um, yeah, work works me. That's that's my thing. I'm quite career motivated. Um, I, I'd rushed back to work after having it only part time, but um, and I told a couple of colleagues once I was diagnosed colleagues who I really trusted and I'm not sure it landed in the right way you know it was it was sort of a backing away from the conversation moment rather than you know embracing it and talking about it I'm a really open person so um so yeah that that response sort of freaked me out a bit so I, I didn't really talk about it that much apart from with close friends um and then yeah it leads mind when people it's a culture of talking about mental health you know there's a lot of us who struggle with it um, or continue to struggle with it and uh, or, or manage it really effectively and really well so yeah the culture of being able to talk about it is is what makes it okay and actually one of the things that I did um, we as a senior team decided that the board and the senior leadership team should write blogs about their experiences or impressions around mental health um, and I wrote a really honest really honest blog sort of what's and all um, about my experience and in print that's quite confronting you know you, you sort of think yeah. oh this feels quite official like I'm not just saying this on a stage in front of a load of drunk students um <laughs> but interestingly the it prompted some really amazing responses from the team and other people sharing their experiences so yeah yeah it's a it's a good culture to be in amazing well thank you so much for sharing that with us today and with our listeners as well it's um yeah it's great to be part of that conversation and yeah hopefully somebody listening to this is able to you know just maybe start a conversation of their own if they've not mm -hmm. been able to before it's interesting what we're talking about we've almost instilling those habits in, in kids and taking or not not taking a stigma but not applying the stigma later on to talk about mental health and feelings hopefully that will transcend into organizations that they work in you know almost leapfrog the culture where we are now so we didn't perform as a as still as you know with coming up to three years old but we're still very much a startup really i'm i'm interested in almost the theory that the organization adopts the traits of the the founders initially, but then those early people you bring in. So if that's the type of culture from the start, you know, does that propagate? So the people that come in later on, when you have, when you, you can't be as agile, even though you say you're agile, you really can't be because <laughs> of the scale of it. 
does that culture seep through and it almost fulfills itself then so they come in and say oh well this is the type of culture so that is influencing my behavior within this culture so it's not command and control as a large FTSE 250 company may be it's you've got that from the start and then that becomes the identity of the company that's running for you consistently yeah I think you're right and it's I sort of liken it to um the, the, the digital revolution, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I'm 40 this year. And, you know, I was sort of at the beginning of social media and all that kind of stuff. But and yeah, I was, I was like, I'm clued up. I know what's happening. Um, but there's always that sort of, you know, that divide there. And even now, you know, some of my team are young and know everything. And they've got me watching TikTok and listening to podcasts and stuff. Now I'm getting there. Um, but you know, they, they know more than me and they'll come out with things. I'm, I, I don't even know what that is. And, you know, it's so with mental health, it's the same. You know, if you if you were pre this digital culture, mm. it's alien, it's foreign. Whereas to them, it's second nature. The same with mental health. You know, if we're doing the right things and educating these kids, it will just come up through the pipeline and it will be the norm. And the thread will just it, it will be integrated in everything that we do. Yeah, hopefully it'll rewrite. You know, perhaps there's a perception of that British or, you know, more westernised, stiff upper lip. You know, we'll, we'll just crack on with things. We'll talk about it. Maybe inherited through the Victorian age into the Second World War and the like. You know, we've seen a rewriting of those ingrained identities, you know, that have been inherited from generations past. For needs of survival, no doubt, but maybe not appropriate in the landscape we're living now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe I do have a bit of a rose tinted view of where we're going with this because I, I live and breathe in a, you know, an organisation that deals with this. But I, I have been in to speak to, you know, some businesses um, because we do workplace um, training as well around mental health um, sessions where I've been invited in to just do a sort of a taster session with a senior members of, of a team. And, you know, looking at, at different um, sectors of industry, there's really different attitudes that exist around mental health. So, like, you know, you're obviously, you've got this great culture, you're talking so openly about it. And I've met loads of organisations who are, who are the same and it's fantastic. There are other organisations where, you know, oh, it never used to be like this, blooming snowflakes. And, and that sort of... Oh, my husband knows that word grates on me so much but um it's there's real differences there so you know it's it's easy for me to sit in my lovely organization that gives us a well-being hour every month to go out and enjoy nature or do something positive for ourselves actually it's not like that for everybody um so you know we we need to sort of not get a rose tinted view of, of what it's like but it could be all like this and I think the key is like you say sure and that that change at a young age Actually, so just on that last comment, Kate, it's really nice segue into uh, our Perform Partners Change playlist, which is a playlist that's been compiled from our guests and the team members that Perform Partners of songs that best represent change to them. So tell us what song best represents change to you. This is possibly the hardest question I've ever been asked. You ask me anything about mental health, about my history of mental health, I'll answer you. It comes to music and I, I sort of get a little bit second guessy about myself. But um, yeah, I, I've kind of shoehorned in one of my favourite songs um, ever uh, into this. And for me, it sort of represents how small changes can really result in a big change. Um, 
so yeah it's Paul Weller um, and it's Broken Stones um, and, and I just really really love the words if you listen to the words of this song um, it's it's about all those little steps and all those little things that happen that, that can make something a lot bigger happen. That's fantastic narrative around an equally fantastic artist and song as well. And I can see Sean nodding his head away. We've got a huge Paul Weller fan over there as well. So um, I, was, I was campaigning to have the changing man open, and, the, uh, open the podcast. But, uh, I nearly went with changing man, but I thought I'm such a it's such a cliche, isn't it? It's like <laughs> well, those awful programs like there's Homes Under the Hammer where they they say a word and then they play a song with that word in. So I just thought, no, I'm not going down that path. <laughs> yeah, Broken Stones is a great choice. Yeah, it's one of my all-time faves. So we'll play a little clip of that song now for our listeners. Kicked around this place by feet All our broken stones Girl, I'm trying to get home Like a loser's reach Too slow and short to hit the peaks So Kate, uh, really great to hear what song Best Represents changed to you, but we're also really interested to learn what our guests are listening to or reading that is helping them through change. So is there anything recent that comes to mind uh, that you've been listening to or reading that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, I'm a bit of a dinosaur on the old podcast uh thing so um I must admit there's only been sort of Louis Theroux podcast that I've listened to um but my husband's been talking a lot about Darren Brown podcast and telling me a lot of things about it and uh, some stories around multitasking and how it's not a good thing so I think I might need to listen to that just to prove him wrong um but in terms of uh the book that I've been well two books on the go at the moment one is uh with my little boy uh, David Walliams books are just fantastic. I mean, I say that I'm reading them with him for him, but it's definitely for me. Every single one of them has me in floods of tears by the end of it. Um, I think he's probably less interested, but yeah. So every night, sort of half past seven, quarter to eight, I get my uh, my David Walliams fix of children's literature. So yeah, Codename Bananas we're reading at the moment, high level stuff. Um, other than that, I I got a book on a whim um, during lockdown because I don't know about you, but reading the news and hearing about death rates and infection rates every day was, you know, it, and as much as I want to be informed and it, it's really hard to sort of stomach and take all that in all the time. So I saw a book by Dan Walker, who's one of the anchors on BBC Breakfast, and he's just resigned from Football Focus. So some people might know him from the footy world. Um, he wrote a book called Remarkable People. Now, a lot of his journalism is about real human interest stories. Um, so within the book, uh, there's a chapter from uh, about Gary Speed, for example, um, and, and his journey with mental health, um, which, you know, was really enlightening. I met Gary Speed when I was at primary school. He came and did a session. You know, he was like the big hero and, you know, the handsome guy. So if he can be impacted by mental health um, and ultimately dying by suicide, it's, it's pretty strong stuff. But there's some really uplifting stuff in there as well. Um, some of the stories that he's been involved with. So, yeah, that's that's it's a slow read. It's one of those that I pick up 
you know every so often because each chapter is a separate little little snippet but um yeah it, it's sort of been the antidote to all the negativity from corona for me there's some really uplifting stories in there that's great and i think we all could do with more of that actually rather than you know the doom and gloom of i mean of reality but <laughs> i think it's kind of exacerbated a little bit isn't it and amplified when you're constantly consuming a stream of it so anything positive that we can yeah incorporate into our lives so i'm sure we'll be trying to find that book <laughs> ordering it from amazon thank you for sharing that with us Thanks for the recommendation on the podcast and the book. We we will look into that as we're doing on these recommendations from each week. So my library is increasing that I need to catch up with. <laughs> um, I'm curious, not only what's next for you, Kate, but given the link back to your song around, you know, broken stones and interpretation could be with that, you know, that's, that's parts of ourselves or parts of an environment or process. So if you could offer, if you could offer one bit of advice, accepting that one bit of advice doesn't doesn't solve everything, but offer kind of one point for the listeners to take away around mental health to help them recognize it or help somebody else. You know, what do you think that would be? The one thing that feels quite universal is ask for help. No matter how big or small your um, difficulty or perceived difficulty or, you know, whether you think it's, it's not a difficulty, but you're kind of hesitant, reach out for help. Um, whether that's chatting to a friend, family member, let them know how you're feeling, whether it's going to the GP, whether and I know I've said it's a lottery, but, you know, most GPs will be pretty good around mental health. Uh, even the GP receptionists now have loads of signposted materials. Um, your local mind, Leeds Mind has a, a phone number, um, ring. Our reception team are amazing as well. Um, but just don't sit there in silence. You know, people are out there to support, people want to help. Um, and sitting there in silence could just, you know, help you to ruminate on whatever it is that's bothering you and make it even bigger. So talk. That's it. That's great. Well, great advice. Thank you. And if people want to find and connect with you, where's where's the best place? Um, our website is the first protocol always, um, www.leadsmind.org.uk. And our phone number is 0113-305-5800. That was a real test. I think I've got that right. <laughs> um, as I say, our reception team uh, are amazing um, and they'll be able to help. Even if you're just ringing and you're not quite sure what it is that you want, they'll be able to help you sort of work through it and signpost you to, to the right people in our organization. Um, but likewise, there's you know loads of stuff out there. We we're involved in a social prescribing service, linking leads, which is just incredible. Um, and there's just loads and loads of other things out there. So you know, have a quick Google. Um, but the MindMate and the MindWell sites for leads are, in, are amazing. They will help you to sort of find the right service for you and find the right support and then just let you know what's out there. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for being on the podcast. It's been great. And thank you for sharing your you know, journey with mental health with us. Thank you to the team at Mind as well. Um, it's been great having you on and it's been great speaking with you. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. 
thanks for listening to episode three of the Perform Partners podcast. And don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss out on new episodes. And if you're enjoying our podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review. It'll help other people find us. If you want to connect with the Perform Partners team, you can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Thank you.